All right, we'll start with the first thing. And uh, let's go to the next slide. Uh, I want to echo what Greg said, that we are about sharing with you what's kind of going on in, in the uh, Christian evangelical world about uh, the last times. And, and I want to emphasize that if you're worried about which one is right and which one you should believe, our participation in end times isn't dependent on what we believe about what's going to happen. It's dependent on what? It's who we know. Exactly right. It's Jesus Christ died for our sins. That's the thing. If you believe that, then whatever's going to happen will happen to you. All right? Right? So if, if there's a pre-trib rapture, you're going to go. If it's, if it's post, you're going to go. Right? It's because of who you believe, not what you believe about eschatology. Okay? And so that's what we're trying to share. Before I get started, I thought I'd tell you something about me. Uh, George Huff, right? You got that part in case you, right? I was born in South Dakota. I, got, I was born again in Concord at age 16. I have a theology degree from Western, perhaps a Bachelor of Theology, and a master's from USC in information systems. That's really how I made my, right? I've been a youth pastor, a soldier, a computer nerd, and now I'm trying to decide if I'm really retired or just unemployed. <laughs> All right? So here we go. I'm married to Roberta just shy of 38 years, which is, uh, clearly demonstrates that she's the saint in this thing. She's still willing to be married to me. <laughs> we have three kids, and we've been here since 1986. That's a day or two, yeah? More than most of you, not nearly as much as some of you, right? That's like, I see Walt over there. I'm just getting started compared to him, yeah. <laughs> and godly men hold divergent views on these things and their approach to scripture. They're still godly men, right or wrong. And I want you to understand that when I share these things with you, I believe that, the, I, I kind of convinced that this is the right thing, but I understand that the scriptures don't tell us everything there is to know, right? There are some things that are mysteries or that God isn't telling us yet because Maybe we're not up to it, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what happened in the Old Testament. There are things that we learned that we learned weren't in the Old Testament yet, right? Because we weren't ready or something like that. Okay, next slide. The, the word dispensation can get us uh, can, uh, various reactions. Uh, the dispensational position about uh, the, new, the pre trib rapture is very common in the culture. It's very widely known. And some, some think that it's... Uh, get angry when they hear it. Some people think they're trying to escape. Uh, and I'm going to tell you, if you want to look into more of this, avoid the internet. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because there's an awful lot of poison out there for uh, just about everything, of course. But <laughs> if you really want to learn more, ask one of the members of staff, or even me, I suppose, and we can recommend some authors that, that are trying to treat the issues fairly, right? And believe that uh, chopping up a, a fellow brother is not what God wants, right? We agree with that. Next one, dispensation is a framework to help us understand scripture. That's all it is. It's a framework. It's not just an eschatology. It's not just the end times. It deals with salvation and all kinds of things, just like every other one does, all right? And in that respect, there is very similar to other uh, frameworks of understanding scripture, okay? Its eschatology is pre-trib and pre-raptional, uh, pre-millennial and pre-trib rapture. We'll get to why later. 
and, but I want to say it's widely known as this in culture. Uh, didn't Tim LaHaye, didn't he write something here recently? A uh, whole se seven volumes or something, wasn't it? Twelve, twelve volumes it was. <laughs> I thought there were seven. <laughs> I didn't, hadn't written any of them, but I saw them out there. Left Behind series, right? HBO last year started a, uh, a series called Leftover. And in that case, it's a town that's three years after the disappearance of about 2% of the population. And they're trying to figure out what it means. And one of them points, does some investigation, and notices that the people who left aren't any better than the folks who stayed. Isn't that true? As believers, I'm not any better than an unbeliever. I am washed in the blood of Christ, right? That's what makes me acceptable to God, not because I'm a nice guy. I am a nice guy, but, you know, <clears throat> but, but that's not why, okay? My dog thinks I'm pretty good. All right, so, <clears throat> so first of all, what, next slide, what is a dispensational? What is a dispensation? Next slide. Am I putting you to sleep back there? Is that what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> and, okay, right away, the next slide. Now, this is a definition. What do you think of this, huh? My wife looked at that and said, Okay, you'll have to wake everyone up after they read that, right? Okay? This is a, de this is a definition, one-sentence definition from one of the supporters of this, of this uh, framework. After he had about 15 pages to discuss it, it made sense after 15 pages to him, all right? Next slide. <clears throat> so I, I came up with Roberta's help to, to say this is, makes more sense to me. Distinct periods of time where God teaches us things about himself and about us, all right? That teaches us about him and about us, right? Two things that are important for us, right? So we're going to do some examples. Next slide. <clears throat> the Garden of Eden. What do we learn about God in the Garden of Eden? He just created everything. So what do we know about him? He's a pretty smart guy, right? Imaginative. Creation is very imaginative. He sets us up in this wonderful garden, wonderful place to work. Wouldn't you have a nice place to work like that, right? Or even retire in, if that's what I'm doing, right? Uh, he's imaginative, he's kind, he's generous. He gave us a body that didn't get old, didn't sag or hurt all the time. We could live in harmony with our wife or husband. And so what did we do? What did we choose? Yeah, we left, yeah. We decided to eat that fruit, right? One thing, all we had to do was one thing and we couldn't do it, right? So we did that, then what God, what do we know about God after that? He pushed us out, right? And he did two things there. One is he pushed us out and second is he kept us from going back in and eating from the tree of, of life, right? Fruit tree of life, so that we wouldn't live forever getting older and older and older. So he was kind to us even in that, right? Even in that. How about after the flood? What do we know about things after the flood? Next slide, after the flood. <laughs> after the flood, I'm sorry, after the, before the flood, after Garden of Eden, right? What do we know about God from that? He let man do whatever they wanted. Sometimes I think these dispensations are almost like a child saying to dad, you didn't let me, you didn't give me a chance. If you'd have let me do this, then I, I would have been good. I would have been fine. In this case, he says, he let people do as they felt well in their own hearts or their own consciousness. So 
you know, God, if I could just do whatever I want, I would be fine. I'd do right. I know I would, because remember I just said I was a nice guy. Nice guy, right? What do we find out? What, what happens? Violence, right? People became very, very violent. And, cry, and God said, didn't like this, and he starts over, right? But there were believers in that time frame, right? Enoch, right? I'm looking forward to him. Sometimes I kid and say, I, Adam was a believer. I hope he's there so I can beat him with a stick. <laughs> I, I, I understand I won't, but, you know, you think about it, right? Adam, what was in your mind? Why'd you do that, right? So it's kind of a joke. I really won't do that. But we also know that God, in starting things over, preserved his, uh, the, the eight in the ark, didn't he, and his creation. So God is still kind. He's still long-suffering. Law of Moses. What is that? You could see somebody saying to God, well, you, you didn't tell me what you wanted to do. What you want me to do. So what does he do? He gives us the law, right? The law specifies what God wants us to do. It also provides for priests and stuff to handle our sin issues, right? So he provides all this stuff in the law. He provides a homeland for them, right? They go into the promised land. He defends them. They set up their, their kingdom, or their uh, nation, rather. And things are going really well, except for when it doesn't. And why doesn't it? It's because we still choose to go away from God, right? God continues to draw us back, and we continue to make it worse, right? And choose otherwise. Now, the millennium, and this is what the, uh, today when the, when the uh, teaser was the lion lay down with the lamb, uh, the millennium in the Old Testament is the kingdom of God. And in Isaiah 11, it talks about the Messiah will reign with perfect justice. Now, uh, things in the news lately have been about basically injustice, haven't they? And, and people say, well, what really happened? Did he, uh, this latest one with the officers who were, who were indicted, who hurt who, what did who him to what, and all what went on in Ferguson and all that kind of thing. At that time, it would be perfect justice because we, our, our king is omniscient, right? He knows. And the millennium, people will know about God. I don't mean necessarily in a saving way, but they will, no one have to teach them. They'll know. Your kids can play with snakes. Uh, lions will lie down with lambs. The, it says the lion will eat uh, straw like the ox. Peace, right? You don't have to worry about uh, predators or con artists. God will take care of it. We'll take care of these things. And what do we learn from Revelation of what people will do in the end of the, of the millennium? What, what happens? S say what? They rebel. Still. Perfect justice for a thousand years. People can live a long time. All this wonderful thing. And in the end, people still do the same thing. Turn away from God, right? Turn away from God. So that's what the, those are just some of the dispensations. There are some people have more or less. So the next slide. Uh, well, sorry, we're not moving right along, are we? Next one would be Millennium. Yeah, there we go. Okay, one more. I, I need to tell him when to switch, you know, because it's not like he knows, right? It's supposed to be in my head. I just, I'm just thinking here. <laughs> not working very well. How many dispensations? Schofield, I say, had seven. There's a new uh, progressive uh, dispensation that thinks there are four. And some non-denomination, non-dispensational folks believe there are some dispensations. I like to kid uh, Greg once in a while and say everybody's a dispensationalist. 
Not really, but what it means is that there is a difference between the Old and New Testament, right? There are some things that people did in the Old Testament that we don't do in the New Testament, right? What would they be? What do we do in the Old, what happened in the Old Testament we don't do anymore? Sacrifices. sacrifices, right? We don't do that anymore, right? We don't do that anymore because Christ is our sacrifice, right? Right, so, and God deals with us as individuals, whereas before he was dealing as nations, right? So, there are some, there are some changes, so, but we don't sacrifice anymore, which is appropriate for us. So, uh, just next slide. I, I've said that um, dispensations, dispensationals have many of the same concepts that everybody else does. Uh, they believe that Jesus Christ died for their sins. They believe that the, in the bodily return of Jesus Christ, uh, they believe that there is a future heaven and unfortunately also a future hell. Right? They believe on the same kinds of things nearly everybody agrees on. There are a few things, though, that they get differently. I won't say wrong. Differently, right? Differently. Next one. Uh, they, one of the things they use is a normal or literal interpretation, even for prophecy. Now, when I asked my class about this today, and I said normal, does that mean everyone else uses abnormal? Yes. <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. No, not they don't use abnormal. Normal just means that it's the regular way that you would... In, uh, understand someone's writing. So if somebody wrote to you, it's raining cats and dogs here, what would you think? You need to watch out for the dogs, you know? Well, somebody said uh, a joke, you're gonna step on a poodle, right, instead of a puddle. <laughs> oh, what, that's not true? Come on. <laughs> I'd much rather step on the cat. All right, so. <laughs> But it just means that, that there are, when you see figures of, expre or, uh, figures of speech or similes or metaphors, that you can understand them uh, in a more literal way. Now, we approach different, uh, we approach, for instance, we approach poetry a little different than narrative, don't we? Now, and there's poetry in the scripture, isn't there? Well, there are lots of it. The Psalms are full of it, right? Isaiah loves to speak in poetry writing poetry. When you read it, it doesn't really look that way to us in translation, but he enjoys, he writes in poetry, right? So sometimes you do have to understand the, the literary context, but the idea is, is that if it says a thing, you, you assume that it's what it means, unless there's a reason not to, right? If it's using the similes, the cats and dogs thing, right? The cats and dogs, that sort of thing. Uh, next one. Uh, there is a difference between the church and Israel in the, in the dispensationalist mind. There's lots of scripture in the Old Testament about uh, Israel that has not yet been fulfilled. That is, bring back together as a nation and God will restore them to the land. And there's this humongous temple in, uh, in Ezekiel, about a mile square, I think. It is huge. If they tried to build that now, it would take 100 years to get the permits, right? <laughs> so let alone in the Millennium Kingdom, right? But it's, uh, so they believe that there is a difference and because of that, they view the tribulation and the millennium as mostly an Israeli event or a Jewish event. There's a place for the church, but it's mostly about the Jews. And we get to be there too, but it's mostly about the Jews. Now, that, that's the reason why they have a premillennial view, because all this stuff that was promised is going to happen in the future, and the future as we understand it is millennium, right? So we believe we're ahead of the millennium. 
And they believe it will be a physical thing that happens in the land, right? In the land. Now, where does the church fit in that? Some believe that the church will be brought to complete when the Gentile, the time of the Gentiles is fulfilled. Some of them see that as the end of the church and that will be raptured and away we go. Others feel like it goes to the tribulation. The point is, whichever one is true, right, whichever or some combination of the, of the, the views, how do you participate in the right one, right? This is, a, this is a trick question we talked about earlier. How do you participate in the right one, whatever happens? It's what you believe about Jesus Christ. That's right. This is all about what you believe in about Christ, not whether the dispensations are right or non-dispensational are right. It's what you believe about Jesus Christ. Right? That's the key about this, right? That's the key. All right, so uh, like I said, by definition, the third thing, next one is, next slide. The central theme of the body uh, of the Bible is the glory of God. That's kind of splitting hairs, guys. Uh, from my perspective, what's the most important thing for me as a, as a man who is a sinner and needs redemption? What's, what's the most important thing for me? Salvation, yes. So from my perspective, salvation's a big deal, right? That God is doing all this stuff for me. But we also see in Scripture that God is doing other stuff with the angels, creation in general. There's lots of other things going on that God it brings glory to himself, Right? And it's all about that. It's to our benefit that God's glory is, is glorified, right? He's not some, it's not like me. If I'm glorified, it's not to my benefit, right? When God is glorified, it is to our benefit. It's an important thing. Next slide. Some, one of the complaints about dispensationalism is, is that it's recent. And it is, in fact, recent. As a, as a structure or as a system, it, it started, came along in about 1800s, late 1800s, when it was fully formed. Uh, and, but is that, that's not really a criteria, right, for, for legitimacy. What's the criteria for, for being, whether dispensationalism is right or wrong? You say what? Well, but more than that, if it comes to pass, certainly I guess that would be one thing. It's whether the scripture supported or not, right? It's what's in the, what's, what scripture say about it, not whether I'm, that they are right. But I wanted to point out, next slide, that people began to notice that there are differences. And you'd notice there are differences, right? God seems to treat the things that God expected in the Garden of Eden, he doesn't expect from us, right? The things that he expected from the law, he's not expecting from us. Sort of. Okay? Sort of. We'll get to, I'll explain that a little better later. Next slide. The first dispensational thinker was this guy, Pierre Poirier. You know, since he's not living, I don't have to worry about saying it wrong, right? You can see he's in the 17th century. He was a, a Christian philosopher and uh, author, and he was real respected at the time. So, uh, and then next slide. Have you ever heard of this guy? Who is this guy? What do we know about this guy? Yeah, the hymn book. Yeah, he's a hymn writer. He got, you, you go on Wikipedia and you put in Isaac Watts, and there's a page, long page of all the songs he's written. He was also a theologian and he came up with seven dispensations that, in fact, uh, Schofield used for him. We'll get to him, Schofield, in a minute. The next guy, next slide, this is, this is uh, John Darby. He was, he's called the uh, father of dispensationalism. Uh, he didn't really form a uh, system, he, but he preached a lot about it, right? He was a preacher and he got famous for that. The next one is C.I. Schofield. You got Bibles? Do you have C.I. Bill Schofield Bibles? 
There was the old one, and then there was the new one, and then there was a new one in a different version, and I have one. It's pretty beat up, because I uh, used it to, when I went to college with it. It's got a bunch of notes and stuff, and I got it on my, my shelf because I'm afraid to touch it, it'll fall to pieces, you know? <laughs> it's already kind of all, it's, I'm afraid it will crumble in my hands. <clears throat> so, uh, anyway, Schofield, and he, what he did is made it into a system, systematized it, right? So all the things, that, and then the next one, next slide, is Lewis Berry Schaefer. Uh, he wrote a uh, systematic theology. I think it's seven volumes, I think. I think it was seven volumes. At least the one I have is seven volumes. And he is also the founder of some particular university or theology in Dallas. Anybody ever heard of it? Yeah? At Dallas Theological Seminary. Yeah, he's this, he was uh, one of the men who founded uh, that uh, thing. So... And then there are a couple more. Go ahead and switch it. These are other authors. So next slide. What's, so what's wrong with dispensationalism? Next slide. Some say that it divides the Bible. And unfortunately, sometimes it may seem that way, right? If, if you slice up and say, well, uh, there's, there's the Garden of Eden, and then there's before the flood and after the flood. And, but it is, it is not meant to be that. It is meant to be an example of continuing revelation, right? God teaching us more about himself and about us. How wonderful he is and how not so much we are, right? And we're not so much. Next one. <clears throat> Multiple ways of salvation. How many ways of salvation are there? And what is that one? Yeah, by grace through faith, right. Now, we look at, we look at uh, Abraham and he believed God and was counted unto righteousness, right? What do we believe? This is a test. What do we believe? We believe that Christ's death on the cross paid for our sins. That's our belief. That's, uh, we believe God and he says, good, that accounts for righteousness, right? That's because we've moved along and God, Christ hadn't died yet. And so now he has and we know what God. Now, God saw his sacrifice and was willing to put, wait a while from the Old Testament guys, right? There's only one way, one way, by faith through faith, uh, by not a works list you uh, should boast, right? Next one. I call this academic snobbery. This belief system is widely held uh, by, especially in the South and uh, by Pentecostals, right? When this was being formed in the 20s, Pentecostals were called, remember? Holy rollers, that's right, holy rollers. They didn't have a, a nicer word, Pentecostal. And so the... It, People who believe that must be nuts, right? So if, and it kind of by, go by association. And unfortunately, some people still hold to that. And, you know, some people regard it as too simplistic. I should also say that the dispensationalists are also snobs, right? Oh, no, would that be true, right? The dispensationalists must be perfect. And everybody else is, I'm only kidding, only kidding, right? Only kidding. The next one, Schofield was a scoundrel. You may not have known this, but in his 20s and 30s, he was not such a nice guy. He, uh, he, he became district attorney. He was a soldier, a Confederate soldier, and deserted, and then uh, went to Kansas. Later, he became the U.S. Attorney of Kansas at 39 or, or uh, 29, I think it's 29. And it, uh, the Wikipedia said, I read other things, but they said uh, he resigned under a cloud of scandal. All right? So he, and his wife divorced him for what? Deserting him. So he but that was by the time he was 50 
he somehow got straightened out because he became a pastor of the first congregational church in Dallas, was there for almost 30 years, is now called the uh, Schofield Memorial uh, Chapel. So he must have figured it out, right? And got his life straight. Now, the fact that he was a scoundrel, is that a reason why it should or should not be believed? What's the criteria? Yeah, does the scripture support it or not? If we're going to use the criteria that if you're a scoundrel once, you're bummed, you can't do anything, uh, Psalms are in trouble, right? Right? The Psalms are in trouble. So is there, except just about everything except maybe what Daniel wrote. Daniel's one of the few men in the scriptures where about nothing bad has ever said. A rare thing, a rare thing, all right? <clears throat> these next two are, go ahead, next one. Next one, is, these are my feeling about it. It is divisive, and unfortunately, it is. Many people think that if you don't believe in the pre-tribulation, pre-millennial rapture, you're not even saved, right? And they split churches over this. That's one of the, it, 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 it's just terrible. And I'm sorry to say that that's, you know, and they say, well, they go into and they say, well, this portion of scripture isn't written directly to you, therefore it's not applicable. Is that accurate? What's wrong with that picture, right? Is it written to me? There's no book of George out there, right? <laughs> Thankfully, you wouldn't want to read it. It'd be too embarrassing for me. <laughs> All right? <clears throat> Does that mean that we'll take literally, uh, I've been reading in Leviticus. I've been doing, going through the Bible thing, so I didn't, it, it was on the list, so I'd do it. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, in Leviticus, there's all kinds of text there about what the priests did to get ready, right? Washing, right clothing, right food, right utensils, and all. What does that teach me? I, I, am I going to do that? Are you going to do that? Well, of course not. So what does it teach me? By way of application, it tells me that God is particular about how I approach him. That my life needs to be pure, as confess, un, take care of my sins, right? Confess my sins. That he is an awesome God and that I need to approach him with respect. So it does have application to me, right? What does Second uh, Timothy 2.16 say? 3.16 say? Come on, you want to type. Now you got to know about this one, right? All scripture is just for the fun of it. No, oh, okay. God breathed and is suitable for ignoring. No, how am I, how am I doing here? Not so much? Yes, in teaching righteousness. Yeah, it is. It has application to us even if we would rather it didn't, right? So, unfortunately, you can do that. Uh, next one, and then go to the next one after that. My final thoughts are, uh, dispensation is widely uh, reviled in some parts of Christendom and wildly uh, worshipped in other parts. Justly or not justly, right? We need to look at what the scripture says, not what I would say defending some position, right? It's been a great comfort to some and not so much to others. Next, next slide. I want you to read that. Now, it sounds like I'm being funny, right? But I want you to, I, I really feel that this is the right approach to taking, to understanding the details of prophecy. On a broad scope, we know that Christ is coming again. Things will be, God will take care of things. God's in control. Things will happen, right? But the details, we are best understood after. 
And I'm going to give you an example out of Isaiah 7.14. What is Isaiah 7.14? What's the prediction in Isaiah 7.14? That's the one where the virgin, shall I try that? Okay, what does it say? The virgin will be with, with, will be, uh, with ba- child, right? The virgin will have a child. That prophecy was fulfilled in Isaiah's time, right? There was a young woman there. She, she got pregnant in the usual way. She had the baby in the usual way. And, and the baby indicated that God was with them while they were facing their enemies, right? We know now it, was, it had another example from... Who is it predicting what we remember now? Yeah, it was, it was a messianic prophecy. Why do we know that? Well, because the New Testament writers told us it was. All right? We, we know it was because the New Testament writers said this was a messianic prophecy. Looking at from this side, from Isaiah's side, he saw one fulfillment and the New Testament writers saw the second one. Right? Can I say that's not, that should we suppose that might not happen again? That there were mysteries in the Old Testament? Do you suppose there'll be some mysteries yet we don't know about that we will find out in the millennium? We, we need to feel that way. We need to understand that God has not revealed everything there is to know about what he's going to do in the Bible. There are some things we're going to learn about. Right? And so I although I personally am kind of comfortable with this, I have to recognize that I could be wrong. I know that's hard to believe, right? That my, my, you know that my study is thorough, I don't miss anything, and of course I have some kind of special, what, power to be right all the time. How do you, how you feel about that, by the way? <laughs> Good, you shouldn't feel that way, because I can be wrong, it's hard it is to admit, <laughs> And I think it'll be fun on the other side of this whole process when we'll sit together and marvel about what God did and how he did it differently than we would have ever thought to do it. Is that not true in our lives already? When God does things in our lives, we're like, wow, Lord, I didn't think you'd do it that way. He does it all the time to us, right? And good thing it is, right? If God did everything the way I wanted it to, him to do it when I wanted him to do it and how I wanted him to do it, <laughs> just... I don't even want to go there. It'd be terrible, right? So it's best to understand prophecy, the details of prophecy, after it happens. I kind of look forward to it. I'm kind of looking forward to fun. Uh, Wednesday, uh, Greg and I, and then uh, uh, Greg, uh, James, and, and uh, Benji came in. We started talking about these things. And it was fun to say, you know, it was fun to talk to guys that understood the, all those words and without me having to explain them. Or them and to me, <laughs> right? And we could talk about this stuff and imagine that what God will do in the future will be so f- fun to look back on and exciting, right? But whatever happens, you will participate in the end times, not because of what you believe in the end times, but because of what you believe about Jesus Christ, right? That's, that's the key. What will happen will happen, right? We just need to stay close to Christ, doing what he wants us to do, when he wants us to do it. Now, go to the next slide. I'm going to allow some questions. I thought about just putting Q up there, you know, and it says questions, but I didn't want anybody to ask me about, you know, the fight last night, Pat uh, Pacquiao, or, or that uh, the Clippers pulled it out finally and won the seventh game or, or anything like that, right? Or whether that's good or bad, right? <laughs> Depending on your point of view. Uh, but so are there any questions that someone would like to ask about where we're at? 
I want this to be more loose. We're good? All right, you can, you can ask me questions afterwards. I don't want necessarily answer them, maybe, but, uh, you know, if I run out of here, if you ask me the wrong questions, I'll say, you know, go talk to Benji, or I'll, I'll sick you on Greg. You got you to sit with your wife tonight, huh? That's kind of fun. <laughs> I get, don't often get to do that. I, yeah, I know. Okay. All right. Yes. Yes. No, I mean, would you please put it in? Uh, well, what I what I believe the, the the dispensational would agree would would see that there was a pre the, the tribulation, the rapture of the church happens before the tribulation, because the tribulation is a, primarily a Jewish event from from Daniel, the millennium is primarily a Jewish event, but the church is there, right? Because we know from Revelation the twenty four elders and there's the things going on there. We, we know that we're, and Christ says you'll rule with me. So we're there. Now, in what capacity? I'm, I'm waiting to find out. I think it'd be kind of fun. You know, I get to do stuff. I like, to, I like to help people and do stuff. So I think it'd be fun. Anyway, that's the, the, this, that's the eschatological. You like that word? Eschatological? Isn't that a fun word? <laughs> sounds, sounds, and then when you mix it with ecclesiastical... Which sounds a lot like it, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> we get a lot of those verbs. All right. 